Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll make sure you're A, fully insured, and B, they will also make sure that they will get you the best price. Okay? Best price. It is all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. After three days of inner peace for almost all of you, it is time now to unleash the Macatrillo rant of the day. (laughs) There was some material this holiday weekend that I thought was relatively quiet for the most part but i gotta start with penn state lacrosse steve at the link semifinals overtime that was a bogus call man yeah it's not that's not the right call it doesn't mean they'll win but it doesn't mean in that moment they'll lose either and it was clear as day uh, he stepped on the yeah. goal crease and i know it's not a reviewable call but still i mean you can't you can't blow that with no. that with that type of stuff on the line right there yeah that's brutal Especially when you have the technology available to do it. And, uh, I mean, everyone, I mean, Duke was a heavy favorite going in. I thought T.J. Malone played great, 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 great. Um, Fabulous to see the way T.J. played. They all, you know, they showed a lot of guts. And then that that lose in that way is just a crusher because it's not the right call. It's not, you know, it's because it's lacrosse. It's not reviewable. And that is a hard way to lose. Uh, Jeff Tambroni's one heck of a coach. It's the second time they've been in the Final Four in four years. And to lose in that that way, that regard, that's really hard. Really hard. And that was was a tough one. Notre Dame, by the way, ended up winning the national title. They beat Duke. Uh, For those who may not have known that. So... Yes. So that's one for you. Yeah, that was totally bogus, borderline embarrassing call. But yeah. and and that spot, but it is what it is at this point. Oh, you know, you are um, you specialize in in bogus stuff. So <laughs> there you go. I know you love bogus. Now with this next one. I'm actually going to defend the Celtics here. Shocker. But I guess there was some backlash to to the... Or I'm sorry, I guess I'm defending the Heat in this case. But I guess both teams, especially the Heat, already had travel plans in place 
in case they didn't win game six and then would have to go to Boston for game seven, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get the the beef there with that. Like you have to plan these things just in case. You don't want to get you want to get caught with your pants down and then you're scrambling for flights. I mean, these are all I logistical mean, things I'm, that you have to do. I'm going to guess this is a Twitter thing, right? Uh, I I think it was, but I mean, I, I was talked about I mean, over the weekend at times. I mean, and it was talked about this morning I mean, too. In fact, look, as somebody who has done tournaments, okay. You have all sorts of contingencies. If we win on Thursday night, all right, we're all set. We're playing on Friday. If we lose on Thursday, here's the travel plan for Friday. As somebody who does this for a living and travels for a living, you have to be a complete idiot (laughs) to sit there and criticize scenarios where if they win this is what we do if we lose this is what we do we are talking about the miami heat fan base so it's like guys okay this is okay there's a reason people take care of this stuff and the reason they take care of it is so that everything's planned out ahead of time okay it's how it goes that's how it works (laughs) okay and to be honest sit, with you, this you, is a you fan base that should not right. be talking right now after walking out and being seen getting locked out of trying to get back into an NBA Finals game because they're front runners and left when they thought the game was over and can barely get their building full by the time you had the game going the these last couple playoff games at that arena. So I don't want to hear any talk about, oh, they're not in it to win it, this type of thing. Stop it. Become a fully invested fan base and then get back to me. I mean, I'm just saying that if if you're sitting there and you're in an either-or, you have to have both of them done. I mean, in other words, like, uh, Penn State basketball, for example, let's just take the NCAA tournament. If they lost to Texas A&M, here's the travel plan. If they beat Texas A&M, here's the practice plan. All right, <laughs> guys... Exactly. It's your job to have both of them done. So everybody goes, oh, so we gone. We lost. We got to, okay. Can we get a plane? <laughs> no, we can't get a plane. There's not like 10 circling above the airport that we can pull down. No. <laughs> I'm going to be critical of, right? okay, criticize something, okay, that you know something about. Okay. <laughs> As for the game last night, uh, the bottom the bottom line is the better team won the series. The better team won the game, uh, and that's why the Heat are advancing. They played better defense. They're the ones that had the easier shots because they ran better offense, and the Celtics were not solid defensively. When you know you can tell right away who has to really work to get their shots, and then who, within the flow of what's going on, is getting relatively good, nice looks at the basket, and that tells you who is who really is is the better team at that point. The Celtics had to work for every single thing they tried last night, and couldn't get it done. They were what nine of forty-two and threes. The Heat, meanwhile, 
moved the ball, got the ball in good spots, got nice clean shots because, you know, they were playing that well. The irony is the Heat shot 50% or better from three in three of their wins in this series, including last night. You know how many times in the regular season they shot 50% or better from three? Three times the entire regular season. And Caleb Martin, I thought, was outstanding in the series. He would have been the guy I would have voted for as the MVP. It doesn't really matter who wins it. It's irrelevant. Um, But this is going to be a test now for the NBA, a big test for the NBA. I've always said that the NBA, I will know, is really locked in and as popular as it's perceived to be if you got great ratings for Utah playing Atlanta in the finals. Well, this is pretty close to that. It's Denver and Miami in the finals. It is a finals that does not have a lot of star power. We can talk about Jimmy Butler's a star. Is Jimmy Butler a star to the casual fan? Okay, Joel Embiid's a star. LeBron James is a star. The name Boston Celtics is a star. The name Los Angeles Lakers is a star. But you've got Nikola Jokic, right? You've got Jimmy Butler, you know, and you got Jamal Murray and Bam Adebayo. If you're a real basketball fan, these guys are stars. But they are not stars to the casual fan. It doesn't mean much to the casual fan. And the name Miami Heat without LeBron James or Dwayne Wade attached to it doesn't mean much to the casual fan. And the Denver Nuggets have never been in this spot. The last time they were in the finals, they were in the ABA. So let's see if the NBA can pull off a great finals TV rating on ABC. And if they do, that will then tell you, wow, they've got something going here. And I know we're going to have Kenny Albert on tomorrow, but TNT has its work cut out. You have two really good teams, Vegas and Florida, but they don't register with the casual fans. They just don't. And Florida is a great defensive team. But here's the problem. Great defense is boring. I hate to tell Jack Ham that. Oh, my almighty! I mean, I mean, in terms of the cat, again, I'm talking about the casual fanner. You don't have any of the original six in. The Bruins, the Maple Leafs, and the Rangers were only the three of the original six that got in. Right? I mean, you don't even have any of the, any of the second six that happen to be in. You know, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you know, the L.A. Kings... St. Louis Blues. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, the Dallas Stars sort of are. They were the Minnesota North Stars. All right. But, I mean, so you don't even have that. So you've got the Florida Panthers, and you have the Vegas Golden Knights. And, again, it is not about the fan fan. The fan fan is always going to be there. They're the diehards. They're going to be there. It's the casual fan that gives you the really terrific rating. And I don't know. You know I mean, I'll watch because I'm, you know, I love hockey. I'll watch because I love basketball. But we're going to find out whether it captures the imagination of the casual fan who's like, hey, great, here they you know, Because the NBA has been pretty fortunate over the years. 
We got Bird. We got Magic. We got Jordan. We got Shaq. We got Kobe. We got LeBron. We got Steph Curry. And now they have Jokic, the real MVP. Uh, no, senor! No, senor! No, senor! I mean, he's still playing, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. By the way, just so everyone knows, one quick note about Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid was playing with a torn LCL. It is an injury that takes six weeks to recover from. He played 13 days after he got it. That should tell you everything about your MVP. He tried. He tried. And I hope everybody understands that guy was playing on an injury that should have kept him out six weeks. He, he, for the good of his team and for his city, tried. All right. So. All right. We'll take a break. Rather mild day for you in terms of, like, you know, the hate meter. I mean, I barely got, you know, you barely got the five. I said it was a relatively light weekend with a few annoyances in there. I mean, the IndyCar circuit. Every time we turn around, there's a red flag. Can anything, anybody in this thing drive? Oh, it was bad all around for racing this weekend. Oh, it was the NASCAR and Indy. Uh, it kept raining in the NASCAR yeah. thing. Indy. I mean, my goodness. I mean, in the, the guy. Yeah, we're going to red flag. Ah, we're going to red flag. So we went over to a place called J.L. Slatery. Okay. Uh, just outside of town. Kids are all there. And they had the Indy 500 on inside. So I pop inside. There's like, I don't know, 14 laps to go. Red flag. Like, okay, great. So then I pop back in. And, okay, here we go. Actually, circling around for a little bit. We've got nine laps. Got red flag on lap seven. Oh, jeez. I go back out again. I come back out. And a red flag with three laps to go. I'm like, oh, for goodness sakes. I looked over. I said, can anybody in this thing drive? Right? And then they finally go around. a couple. When they restart, they go around a couple times. Essentially, have one lap to go. And I said, well, I said, New Garden's going to win. They go, oh, no. I said, no, he's sitting in second. I said, he'll draft. He'll go by him. He'll win the race. Right? So you have a predictable finish. And you're like, eh, this is really... A lot of fun. It's a red flag. Do you have any other ones up there? How about a checkered one? Do you have a checkered one? No? (sighs) I'll say this. The last lap, the way he was weaving when he took the lead... I looked at everybody and said, I haven't seen that kind of driving since I was on the Jersey Turnpike. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. 
more than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. McCaig just got a fresh stick before that draw. Testing it before the faceoff. Realized it was broken. Snapped it in half. Got a new stick. Then went back to the faceoff circle. Out in front of Chance. Amadio, he scores! Set up by William Carlson. 6 nothing Golden Knights. When they were up 6 nothing, I really liked them in that spot. Excuse me. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. If you were wearing a green jersey last night, you did not win. <laughs> Whether you're in Boston or Dallas, if you're wearing a green jersey last night, you did not win. Uh, I love it. And Nick Nurse is the Sixers coach going forward, so it was a good weekend for me as far as that goes. Okay. Did you get through the second round? Unfortunately, no, but it's I'm the little asking, things in I'm life. I'm just asking for a friend. I mean, because, like, like, reveling in somebody else's, like, problem is your victory. That's pathetic. <laughs> you dudes need to get better. I don't disagree with that. Let's go, Daryl. Actually build a roster that actually can win a title for once and not do the same thing over and over again. That'd be nice. Oh, come on. Don't you think it's fun? Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855. Visit our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, our show is brought to you today by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home light business, boat, motorcycle, RV, whatever it may be. They'll make sure you're fully insured. They'll do everything they can to save you money. Customer service means everything to them at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Time now for another edition of Tuesdays with Neil. That means, Mr. Gulong, welcome. You bet. As always, it is great to be here. I hope your uh, hope your weekend went well. Yeah, it did. How about you? It was good. It was good. Um, get back. 
you know, we didn't really do a whole lot, but uh, the weather was great. So opportunity to get outside a little bit, kind of walk around the community and hang out and grill up some food. That's, uh, that's the extent of the fun things that I do. And I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm kind of lame. Uh, big thing for me was doing as much with my kids as possible. Uh, we went out just spending time. It was great. Loved it. Uh, so, Jeff Van Gundy, NBA analyst, former NBA head coach, is not the first broadcaster, obviously, to look at social media and say, really? Are you kidding me? Um, and the topic was brought up because of Victor Webinyama, where everyone says is a generational talent. But he says, Right now, he says social media is a real problem. Uh, how do you view social media in the NFL context as to what you think it does and does not mean? It's funny you bring that up. I, I was literally just uh, looking at uh, quotes from USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Um, it seems as if there is a, a dire push to put him in the same stratosphere as Wembanyama right now, um, choosing my words carefully, but mainly there, there allegedly is a scout that compared him to Patrick Mahomes. It's like, well, if, if a scout is out there that said there's a comparison between him and Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't know what else the scout said, but um, I, I'm not sure how relevant that really is or what it could be. And if, if anything, you see um, the proliferation of, of such content opportunity uh, spread very quickly through social media, regardless of the validity of it. And in this case, um, I think you can get a player entering the NFL with a certain level of, of hype that isn't earned in any way. Now you look at the NBA, you understand that that you know in, in the era in which um, they've been able to you know draft uh, high school seniors to, to college freshmen, it's it's all hype. You know you're not really seeing a whole lot of polish in that. That's not something the NFL necessarily has. At the very least, they've probably played a pretty good amount uh, by the time they're draft eligible. We're seeing that become less and less, though. I mean, Caleb Williams is a phenomenal talent. I love watching him play, but they want to hype up, in the NFL world at least, social media has risen uh, since Andrew Luck, for example. Everyone has to become the next Luck, whoever it is that comes out. That stays with the player. If anything, I'd say that it makes it uh, probably more negative. You know, look at Jadavian Clowney. That, that's a player that... Um, you put any other level of hype around him, and a huge amount of that is social media fueled. Um, he has a pretty nice career, but because of the the, the monster that he was uh, leading into his NFL career, you have a, a, a certain level of expectation that nobody on earth would have would have ever reached. And I think that that expectation, fair or otherwise, exists because in social media, what you get is one person who may not have any clue what they're talking about or have any reason to be saying it wants to one-up the hype from the last person that said it. 
so the, the, the prospect is built up to be fair or otherwise something well above and beyond who they really are or even what you know we've come to kind of expect from what a, what a rookie should look like uh, within the NFL. I think that's probably going to be Caleb Williams. I, I think you're, you're going to hear accolades that are, are created specifically for him throughout this coming college season. And it, it, it's because of I have to say something big to get noticed in social media. And now that Caleb Williams um, is, is the next Andrew Luck in terms of, of prospect, everyone's going to have to one-up that benchmark, and they'll continue to do it more and more. So to, to the point where an alleged NFL scout compares him to Patrick Mahomes, and frankly, I, I don't think there is any comparison between those two at all. He doesn't play like Patrick Mahomes at all. Uh, it's not a valid comparison, but it has hype, and that's what's going to get whoever it is that came up with that notice. And that's really what they look for. You work around and with a lot of young people. You and I have talked about it both on and off the air, and what we talk about off the air is nobody's business but ours. But when working with young people, how influenced are they by social media, whether it is Twitter, Instagram, or a message board, whatever it may be, as to how it calibrates their thinking? A lot, a little, or some? I think a lot, and I say that because there's a subdivision in that. I think people can glean the right information um, found within social media. There's plenty of it, though, negative stuff or stuff that's not coming from a place of uh, intellectual quality that they find it because they looked in social media, not adding... Social media, like anything, can be a tool you use to to develop an opinion on something. You're able to draw a a wide range of opinions from it on there, but you can readily find uh, well-known opinion makers, people that are making their opinions for themselves. Um, What you're looking at usually is junk social media accounts or or, non-opinion makers uh, quoting somebody else anonymously um, with certain evaluations of certain players. You know, it, it, I don't think young people in the business that I'm in aren't drawing enough from that uh, to, to create a, a, an article on it. They're not using it as a reference point, but there's no way that they're not absorbing it to some degree. There's just an insane amount of chatter around so many different topics. It can be difficult to tune it out. I I put it directly on on the user to determine whether or not something is is realistic, depending on who the name is that you're reading, uh, who's sharing that information. You can get a pretty good sense of of how realistic something is. but even if you are going through the process to disqualify that, it's still in your head that this is worth determining uh, whether this player is worth this or that or the other thing. Um, I think young people are savvy enough in, in using such tools that they know they have to go through that kind of a process. What they don't have necessarily is the background in the discipline itself to make a decision. 
Um, if you are a historian, if you are a scout, if you uh, know to a high degree how the quarterback position is played, what to look for, you have enough to make a reasonable opinion on uh, Caleb Williams. At the same time, if you have that and you hear somebody compare him to Patrick Mahomes, you should feel confident in saying, I don't care what their job is, that, that comparison is ridiculous. It's just not valid at all. Um, young people can tell one from the other, but it's almost as if there's always an expected battle that comes up um, in, in terms of, when I say young people, I mean within this, this industry. Uh, right. Many will kind of buy into the hype that they're being fed from social media, but the best ones are ones that are not trying to add to it, but more explain why it exists or to, to validate it through their own work. Um, everyone can be excited about somebody, and you, you can agree or disagree with that. Uh, finding that reasonable opinion, though, is really what the, the game is now. You know, you, you have to be able to weigh in on something um, unique and original or just something that, that's out there that's trending. You need to be able to provide good context as to what you're seeing, why you're seeing it, and why people might feel a certain way about it. Yeah, because the I think anybody having an opinion, I respect it, I want to hear it, uh, but I always take a lot of it with a grain of salt depending on who's saying it, especially if it's somebody who's doing it anonymously, because I am I am from the school that a little knowledge is not complete knowledge or the old a little knowledge is really dangerous <laughs> and yeah, that's how I that's how I, I view it agree with that yeah I, I mean I, it's it, people who don't know anything have less of a time believing that they don't now than they did 30 years ago in my opinion um it, it the the art of Amateur scouting has exploded in the United States throughout the tenure of social media. It's one of the, the best, uh, um, one of the best mediums for um, the delivery of crappy amateur analysis. And there are a lot of people that don't understand what they're looking at that will weigh in on something because they think it's something else. At the same time, though, it does give you. Um, ample exposure to a lot of people who really do have a good idea of what they're talking about. Those are the people that uh, I've learned from. Um, there, there are too many of them to, to mention, but it's kind of part and parcel the same thing, though. If you know what you're looking for and you know what you're looking at, you can see what's real and what isn't. And that, I think, is, is the real challenge. Um, especially when it comes to football. There are a lot of people that think that they can scout the game, that they can evaluate the game. The best people that I've been around um, that really understand the game, how it's played, what to look for, and things like that, are people who tend to say, I don't know anything compared to the people that taught me. And those are usually you know, much higher up people. Um, the, the people in the football circles tend to be ones that, well, I sat and watched you know, 14 hours of film of this guy, and I broke him down. Like I, I can I can watch Shawshank Redemption six million times. That doesn't mean that I know what a, a, an excellent movie is. You need to know what you're looking at. 
you know, and I, I think what gets lost in the rush to be first on social media, to be popular in social media, is that level of quality. And sometimes a very an answer can be very complicated when it comes to uh, the the quality of a football player and why that doesn't necessarily pertain or it doesn't play itself well to 280 characters on Twitter. You might need to provide a little bit more, um, uh, you know, explanation than that. Some people take well to that. Other people go the opposite route. They need 19 tweets to tell you something that's very basic and very simple. They can't boil it down um, into one, you know, cogent thought. But it, overall, what we see probably more than anything is the value of a player rises and falls in a very consistent pattern. And we see that leading into the draft all the time. You know, we, we talked about Hendon uh, uh, Hooker, I don't know how many times leading into the draft. Hendon Hooker was drafted pretty much exactly where I thought that he would be drafted. But he was undrafted, according to social media, and undraftable in social media in January. And then he was a first-round pick in the two weeks leading up to the draft. I don't. And nobody I talked to said really anything different about Hooker. Probably a round two, round three guy. That's most likely where he's going to end up. That's exactly what happened. It was the most reasonable opinion from the people that know it the best. But people want to get into the arms race of, well, I called it. I said he was going to be taken here, and it, it that kind of you know waxes and wanes uh, throughout the life cycle of the draft. And we'll see that again and again with with prospects all the time. You know, players that scouts have pegged already they know probably where they're going to be drafted teams know kind of what they're looking at you go through everything but their, their stock doesn't rise and fall it kind of is what it is um and I, I there are a lot of people that don't really take that into account that don't understand that and it's because they don't see it from a team perspective they see it from their own uh, and they, they probably don't know what they're looking at though well this is this is something and I'm going to repeat myself to the audience. I probably have said this to you as well. I will freely tell everybody on this show or a pregame show that as much as I think I know about football, James Franklin knows exponentially more than I do about it. And so do all of his coaches. As much as I know about basketball, and I'll broadcast basketball, I'm going in my 42nd season. Mike Rhodes knows exponentially more about basketball as the head coach of Penn State than I know. Right? And these are the people I take cues from as to helping me to get a better informed opinion because I think one of the important elements of opinion is the ability to listen to people who know what they're talking about. Jack Ham knows more about it than I do. Okay? So I listen to what Jack has to say, and that's how I form my opinion as opposed to somebody said online, it's like, okay, well, I mean, I'll read it because I, I, I respect, you know, this is the paying public, and the paying public should always be listened to. But in terms of forming my opinion, it doesn't change my opinion much because I've got a better informed opinion that I can ask a question of and get a better answer. How about that? But that's really it. I think that's everything. It's, it's knowing... Um so many opinions there are only so many conclusions that you can reach take whatever player Joey Porter Jr yeah the outcome of his career only so many different ways we can say what it would be what our prediction is there are myriad ways 
one of those conclusions. The skill is not throwing the dart at the board and picking out which one of the, the very limited number of, of outcomes there are available and then acting afterwards as if you knew everything that was going to happen the whole time. Why will this happen? What, what is it about him now that needs to get better to reach the best outcome? Those are the questions that people that know can weigh in on uh, intelligently. I'm sure Jack Ham can give you a, a, a very reasonable opinion of why he feels Joey Porter is this or that or the other thing. Um, mean that he's going to be right or wrong because it's you know at the end of the day whatever it is that he says today means nothing compared to, to what is going to happen within that young man's life over the next three years that's what's going to shape him into a player you don't know you just simply don't know um, approaching analysis um, uh, evaluation with that in mind tends to land you in a more I don't want to say a humble evaluation, but a more realistic evaluation. When you look at what makes a, a good player in the NFL this or that, um, so much of that is on him and how he develops with the information as he's getting it. It's all, that, that changes him as a person. You don't know that where we sit today. And whatever it is that he's going to be in two years has nothing to do with what we say today. The best people are aware of that. They are just simply breaking down who he is as a player, who he is as an athlete, who he is as a person, and putting all of those things together to give you a reasonable idea of what he will look like in the defense that you want him to play in. And from there, kind of project out uh, who he might be and what value that is to your team. That determines the round uh, that you would take a player in. There's a bigger bucket that you look at that says, he has all of these things that matches up with uh, a, a first or a second round pick. So among the candidates of this, when we're on the clock, these are the players that we're looking to draft because they fit this round bucket and that's what we want. Um, going through that process is what brings out, in my opinion anyway, um, why a team makes the pick that they make and what the expectation is for that player. That isn't something that has to be agreed upon for everybody. Just because you don't like this player in this round, it doesn't mean anything, really, because the, you know, the team in this case feels that that's the exact set of what they're looking at. You aren't looking at the same pieces of information. And I agree with you, and I say it all the time. I've been in uh, rooms with high-level NFL people talking X's nose football, and they may as well have been speaking a completely different language. I have no idea what they're saying a lot of the time keeping up with the pace of it, the, the amount of knowledge that they're able to display in a very short amount of time, it, it, it's dizzying. And then you look at the fact that these people are being paid high six figures, if not seven figures, to make these decisions, and it still doesn't work out well in every single situation. Right. There, there's a level of, of, of kind of hopelessness that comes with it. It's like, you almost may as well throw a dart on the board. You really don't know. Uh, it's just, it, it's a very complex thing, and making it simple is the art. And the best ones, I think, understand the information comes through the process, not through their opinion. And working within a team, working within that structure, is what makes good decisions. And knowing, too, they're not always going to work out. No matter what you do, no matter how much sense it makes, it won't always work out because there are just too many variables that you don't control 
over a very long period of time. I mean, that's the part I, I tell everybody all the time. I said, you know, it's there. It doesn't mean they're going to be right about every decision. That's that's not that's not the point here. Um, but they have the best chance of making the decision because they have more information all the way around as to what they think is the best thing to try. And that's what I think sometimes some people, not a lot, but some people don't get. I think the simplest way to put it is their educated guess is is vastly superior to your educated guess. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're both guesses. It's just one pe- one group in this, this scenario uh, understands far better the entire process than the other one does. Yeah. And nobody's going to be right 100% of the time. So I mean, acting as if you being right one time matters, is, it, it's irrelevant. As usual, uh, Neil and I script this out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just go. The theoretical. That's that's where it's at, you know. I, I, I think we're in eagle-eye view of foremost experts and the complete idiots where we can fit well in between those two spots. It's yeah, Exactly. It's what we do. <laughs> Neil, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong joining us on the show. That's why, you know, it's, it's, that's why I'm a big believer in matchups. I mean, I because I'm around it and I see what they're trying to do in terms of exploiting matchups and things like that. It really influences what you think about it and how you look at it. You know, people will talk about the scheme, and I, you know, I'll sit back and go, "Well, you don't really know what the scheme was or what the adjustment was. I mean, you know, what's held back, what's not, how it's set up, you know, and and they'll be the first to tell you. I mean, you pull them aside. You 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 can I can pull a coordinator aside, and I'll say, "Hey, you know, how'd it work out this weekend?" And they'll say, "You know what? There's like two or three of those I really want back because they know." They know. You know? You know, and then you get a guy who comes on the air on Monday after a long weekend and he starts calling everybody idiots. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> who might that be? <laughs> oh. All right. You're all excited about Nick Nurse. Absolutely. But he still needs guys that, you know, are tough, can shoot, all those sorts of things, or else this really doesn't mean a whole lot. Earth to Daryl Morey. They're in an interesting spot, both the Celtics and the Sixers. They got a decision to make about short-term, long-term here, and neither one is easy. Neither one is an easy decision based on where their players are and what the age of their players happen to be. Okay. Back with more.